Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Guess what, campers? Game day is finally here. How about that? We got football tonight. Actually, for you fans, we have a doubleheader. I mean, obviously, the main course is Utah and BYU. But ESPN does have a game at 5 o'clock. It's UCLA and Cincinnati. It's a chance to see a Pac-12 South school. I think we know who UCLA is. I think we know where they are in the rebuilding process coming off a 3-9 and nine season. They just got to have a winning record, get to a bowl game, and uh, declare victory and move on. If the Utes are what we think they are, they, they shouldn't be a threat. But... Cincinnati's been pretty good. They're they're a high end Group of Five team. You know that's like you know playing Boise State or Central Florida or whatever. They they're coming off a really good year. Um, we don't follow them close enough here. I don't know how much they've got back, but for UCLA to play Cincinnati and get a win, that'd be great. <laughs> That'd just be a great way to open the season. Uh, so we'll check that game out if you're sitting at home uh, waiting for the uh, the Utah-BYU game to start. You can watch that. That's a 5 o'clock game. And then at 8.15, it's the Utes and the Cougars. All right, for more on that game, we're going to spend a lot of time on that game today, obviously. And we're going to start out with a Cougar, Matt Bushman. Will he have a big game? Can he make the kind of big plays to get the Cougars some confidence? Maybe make the big plays when they, if they get a lead like they got a year ago, they can salt it away. Here's Matt Bushman. He's had a taste of the rivalry. He's growing into it. What does he think going into this game? Here he is on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. What are your thoughts on, on momentum plays and, and rivalry games? Because they're always important. Is it more important than a rivalry game to make those kind of moves? Um, Well, I think rivalry games is always that extra bit of emotion just tied in with the game so yeah those plays where it brings momentum and uh shifts and momentum things like that it definitely plays a big difference in in any game but especially a rivalry game and i mean um unfortunately like the momentum last year was kind of went in their favor towards the end of the game and i just i just think as a team we we need to plan to battled out for four quarters um, expect it if it has to be like expect it to go until the last last play of the game and I think we're prepared for that and we're excited for a game like that we uh, we just want to want to make our fans happy this is a game you guys have been pointing to since January basically since the bowl game what's it like now that game week's here and you know it's it's right around the corner at this point yeah it's crazy I mean I I feel like just the other day we were talking about man we're 100 days out we're 50 days out and now it's I mean, we play on Thursday, so it's uh, it's exciting. Everyone is just kind of kind of antsy, ready to get the season going. I mean, it was nice having watching a couple of those college football games uh, on Saturday, and yeah, I think we're just we're just ready to go and ready to get the season started. You guys have traditionally done very well in opening games, just over the the course of you know BYU has done well. Last year, you guys went out and got the win at Arizona, not an easy place to win. Mm-hmm. What's the key in an opening game to be able to come out strong and, and be at your best really quick? Um, well, one of the main things is just to, in fall camp, just prepare uh, so that we're kind of this fine-tuned team at the start of the season. I mean, a lot of opening games, like Florida and Miami, for example, there were so many penalties and so many misassignments and things like that. Um, we just... Last year we had a main emphasis on that, and this year we also we want to execute like we're like we're um, in midseason form. So we've we've worked really hard offensively and defensively, and special teams also. We just want to be prepared for any type of situation and uh, just not have those misassignments or pre-snap penalties, so that 
we can uh, we can give ourselves a chance to play the best game possible. How much more comfortable do you feel now in this offense? Because I remember last year this time you were coming in the week one and you were listed as an or on the depth chart. Now you're the guy at that tight end position. How much more comfortable are you in this offense? Um, I mean, if I think all of us, every everyone in the offense feels a lot more confident and just we we understand what what we're trying to do as a team and what what we want to do offensively. And I mean, just being able to be put in situations where. Um, Maybe they're trying to single me out or uh, just help each each player offensively be put in a, a position so that we can play to our strengths and and just be explosive, be confident, not have to worry about certain things. And I think we've done a really good job this fall camp, and um, I'm really excited to see what our offense can do now that we're kind of focusing, not necessarily trying to install an offense. Now we're just trying to adapt to what we have, and it – it should be a really exciting offense. Do you feel like there's anything anything that can be taken away from last year's rivalry game and carried over into this one? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of lessons that we learned as as players. I mean, when you when you lose tough games, it, it hurts, but you can you can take lessons that just transfer into life and into future seasons and things like that. And I mean, just the importance of finishing, the uh, importance of not uh, kind of letting our letting down and just keep taking shots in the third and fourth quarter. If there's a momentum swing um, after halftime or some point in the game, we can't shy away from that. We need to come in even hotter and try to get that momentum back on our side. So, yeah, I mean, it's it losing a game like that, it hurts and it stinks. But I think a lot of us going through a game like that and with all that emotion, we, we realize, man, we, we know what we have to do to beat these guys. And... And they have Utah has a lot of hype this season, and they're they're supposed to be really really good. And I mean, they're pretty much the same same team that they were last year. So so it's not like we have to be afraid of these guys. We don't need to shy away from anything. It's just a great opportunity to show showcase who we are as as a team. We saw that offense shift last year from more of a pro set to a spread set. Has it shifted any more in this offseason, the work you guys have done this fall camp, or is it similar to what we saw at the end of the year last year? Um, there's similarities. Uh, I mean, we're always we're adjusting to what we have, um, and we're just going to do what we do best. There might be, depending on how the game pans out, we might be running the ball more. You never know. We might be passing the ball a ton. It just it just depends um, how the game pans out, what, what, what goes on. But, yeah, I mean, we, we have versatile guys on our team. I mean, Zach's really versatile Jaron knowing that if something happens he can come in we're not we're not worried that our offense will have to switch up a ton because they're very similar players and I mean we just we were really excited to just use all of our weapons um, I mean even if we're throwing the ball well we have a nice change up giving the ball to Tyson or Zakatoa they're they're ballers and they know what they're doing so I'm really excited and I feel really confident one of the most interesting matchups in this game is your offensive line versus their defensive line. I'm sure you've talked to the guys about this matchup and how much confidence do you guys have going into this into this game uh, that you guys can hang with what's being touted as one of the best in the country? Yeah, I mean, there's it's a great opportunity for our guys to show how good our offensive line is. I mean, we have a lot of guys coming back and – like I said, they're they're a really good team. You can't you, you gotta hand it to them. You gotta hand it to that defensive line. They're a bunch of studs. But 
we played against them last year. It's not like we have to shy away and be like, dang, these guys are intimidating. They're, we have guys in our defensive line like Kyrus. He's a beast. Like Our offensive line goes against guys like that every day in practice. And um, just knowing that we played against them last year, we were successful in the run game. Um, we were successful in the pass game. Yeah, they're going to make plays. They're going to they're probably going to sack our quarterback a couple times, but I mean we don't we don't plan on that, but good players make plays, but I just I just know that our offensive line is confident. Um, we know what we have to do and um, it's not like we're going to shy away or be afraid of a few players that they have. You played a strong game against Utah last year, a couple big catches, the touchdown. Does that increase your confidence level personally for this game or is it kind of a clean slate? Um, I mean, it's a clean slate. There's, you can't expect the same thing. Like, you can't make those plays. You can't expect to make those plays all the time. I mean, I, in the back of my head, I know I can. If the ball goes up, I, I expect myself to go up and catch it and make plays. But I mean, I can't go in there if we're if something happens, um, and I'm not necessarily getting the ball as much or something. It's just. Next man up, we have receivers and running backs that are going to make plays too. And I think, um, I don't know, like Dray- Draymond Green said something back a few months ago, like if you don't think you're the best player on the field, why are you out there? Um, so you don't have to be super cocky like in media or when you're even on the field, but just in the back of your head, you have to be confident and know that you can make plays. And yeah, it might be a clean slate, but I, I expect myself to play at a high level and our team expects that also so I think this could be a really exciting game to watch with the offensive plays that we make and just the stops that our defense is going to make. With the nerves that come with a big game like this right off the bat what type of advantage does having a coach like Kalani bring just knowing that he has your guys' back during any type of fight? Yeah it's awesome you can see how much emotion he has during games when when there's big plays he's one of the most excited guys on the sidelines and just knowing that he has our backs, he's if something happened, you'd know he'd be the first guy out there like um, defending our guys or trying to help us out. He wishes he could be on the field playing with us, but as a coach, he can't do that. Um, so he just he loves us up. He, he's there for us. He wants us to succeed. And just knowing that it, as a player, you want to play for him. You want to make him look good. Um, and you want him to stick around. So, I mean, you... It's just, it's an awesome feeling, and um, I think all of our team really backs him up and supports him. He's had you guys take a lot of initiative in terms of leading this team. He's had the practice that he talked about where you guys planned everything. You thought it's helped the team just kind of take more ownership of this program? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, as players, you kind of get in the same routine, and like when they kind of threw that on us, it was like, dang, these coaches have to prepare a lot more than we than we thought. And But it was just cool seeing... Um, some of the leaders come together and, and plan out a good practice. And uh, sometimes when that happens, you're like, dang, if this goes bad, it, the coaches aren't going to trust us anymore. But it was actually one of our better practices. Um, and offensively and defensively, we executed really well. So I think the coaches um, had respect for us for for taking that step and doing that. But also um, it allowed us to be better um, leaders and just um, – understanding just a game of football and how it goes about a lot more. Last question. Playing, playing at home is supposed to be an advantage. The last couple of years, had a lot of tough home losses. How do you flip that around without it being an extra pressure or an extra you know, thing that makes you tighten up? Um, 
I think it's just, I don't know. It's sometimes just games happen, and for some reason last year, we, we, it seemed like our, we would always kind of fall behind. Our offense wouldn't, wouldn't do the best. At the, the beginning of the game, so we're always playing catch-up. And um, who knows what's going to happen this season and things like that. We have some really good teams coming out, and they're going to they're gonna make plays. But I'm really confident in what our offense as an offensive player, I can say that like this is this camp has been a lot better than it has in the past, and we're expecting to make a lot more plays and just be able to um, control the tempo of the game a lot more and put our defense in in good spots and good positions um, so that we can have more success at home. So I think we're really excited. Um, we play some great teams, so I, I hope our fans are excited, just as excited as we are. And um, yeah, I just gotta defend our stadium. Um, defend what Lavelle built and what the stadium is named after him now. So we just need to defend that and just understand that winning these home games are, are really important to us. There is BYU's Matt Bushman. When we come back, Riley Nelson, new radio analyst for BYU, joins us next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. All right, DJ and PK, it's time now to talk a little football with former Cougar quarterback, current BYU football radio analyst, Riley Nelson. He joins us. On the Sprint Special guest line, lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Morning. And PK, it's kill or be killed, right? <laughs> exactly, Riley. Yes. <laughs> See, here's a man who knows what he's talking about. Absolutely. Thank you. He's been out there. He's battled. So he speaks truth right from the start. That's right. <laughs> Hey, we got a question up on our Facebook page, and I want you to answer it, Riley. You can go to DJ and PK, or you can hit me up on Twitter, David DJ James. We're asking people, it's time for predictions. What will BYU's record be? Where will they get the big wins? Where will they suffer the painful losses? What do you think? What are your expectations? Knowing full well, you know, games are unpredictable and they'll probably cross you up, but you, you probably still have expectations going into this. Yeah, so uh, for me, kind of best-case scenario, I kind of break their schedule down into into the months that they play, like the first four, the middle four, and the last four. Uh, Best-case scenario is that they can squeak out, uh, at least in my opinion, two wins in the first month, which I think everybody you know would be relatively ecstatic about. Um, the middle month, which I think has some trap games, and three of the four being on the road. Uh, Best-case scenario, I think they go three and one, and then best-case scenario, I think they finish the season four and oh. Worst case for me is, is one and four or one and three potentially zero and four? Although I do see him sneaking even in a bet, in a worst case scenario, I sneak, see him sneaking out one in the first month. Uh, that second month, uh, two and two, because I think uh, Boise and Utah State are going to be tough games. But I think, uh, assuming they can uh, account for the style differences against Toledo, and I know South Florida's got athletes and those boys, but their program and the discipline. If you just watch their play, they're pretty sloppy. So. I think two and two there, and then uh, you know San Diego State poses the biggest challenge in that last 
in that last month. So for me, a, a best case scenario um, is probably um, like a nine and three, which I, I know is very optimistic and maybe shows a little bit of the homer in me. And a worst case is six and six. Yeah, I can see that. I like the way you did that. Uh, to me, you know, this streak has taken on somewhat of a mini life of its own, and the streak at some point is going to be broken for sure. But I don't think that whenever that streak is broken, whether it's this year, next year, whenever, I don't think it's going to be broken simply because the law of averages is going to take over and you're going to win the game because you can't lose to them forever. I think in order to beat Utah, particularly this year, you're going to have to play at a high level. That's what it's going to take. And you're going to have to play at that high level virtually the whole game, recognizing there's some ebb and flows of the game. Because if you look at the number of games that have gone by, there have been times clearly when they've hung with Utah and actually dominated Utah, but then they don't finish the game as recently as last year. So recognizing that they have to play well, what would be some of the specifics that you need to see in order for the Cougars to win? So um, I know you can't prove something by a negative, but I have been, as I've been talking with people about this game, if BYU does not give up a special teams or defensive touchdown, which they have done in seven out of the eight games during this losing streak, while never producing a non-offensive touchdown, they, have, they are yet to produce a defensive and special teams touchdown. But if they can simply, I believe if they can simply prevent Utah from doing so, I think they win the game. I think there's enough mojo. I think they have enough talent. It being at home, the pressure is mounting. Uh, Utah still, I, I know they've got a lot of dudes back, but key players are, namely Covey, Moss, and Huntley, are coming back off season-ending injuries, and, and it being a week one start, nobody's quite sure what they have, uh, you know, in the hand that they've been dealt for this season. So that is that to me is the biggest thing. It, the game last year turned on the pick six by Jalen Johnson. Uh, you know, thinking even back to to my career, that game in 2012. We had a missed shotgun snap. They got over my head, scooped and scored for a touchdown. That was a 14-point swing because we were inside the red zone. You look at that game where, you know, Taysom Hill threw the hitch that bounced off the face mask on the first play of the game that was returned for a touchdown. All of these are tone-setting, momentum-changing game plays. And I think if BYU, you mentioned that BYU has proven they can hang. I think they can hang if they just don't give up that, that, uh, that defensive or special teams touchdown, which would – not only shift the momentum on, between the lines, but I think, quite honestly, will deflate the entire crowd sitting in the seats at Cougar Stadium and make it really tough to overcome. Riley Nelson, BYU football radio analyst, joining us. Uh, you talked about the guys coming off season-ending injuries. You, you had your fair share of injuries. Uh, why do you spotlight that? How do you think that's going to impact the game? Well, I just, you know, Covey's game, so let's start with Covey. He's a local kid, and and obviously someone I played with his older brother at BYU and someone who I hope has a lot of success, but his game is short, quick, hard. You know, he's putting a lot of force into the ground. He's putting a lot of force on those joints and to do that in his knee. And now I'm not even sure they've been very coy about how they utilize him. I quite honestly think they'll ramp him up. Uh, if not even maybe wait till pack play, pack 12 play before he's even full go. But then you've got Zach, well, you've got Tyler Huntley coming off a collarbone injury which he's yet to take a life. He's yet to get landed on. He's yet to be driven into the ground. He's yet to take a hit uh, to that position. And, and all those things, while they're not consciously, no player is consciously worrying about those, subconsciously your brain, you know, just Darwinism and evolution at, at itself is wired for self-preservation. And so you're, 
you're subconsciously, your body is self-consciously holding itself back until it can prove to itself that it can go, get back to normal and withstand itself. So all those things for those key main offensive players um, are, are yet to be answered. I know they look great in practice and they've looked great so far, but they have that. And also you compound Moss's injury last year with the hand this year, and I know it's going to be fine. And, and broken bones, you know, I, like you said, I played with my fair share of those. And kind of once they're healed, they're healed. But still, you take a helmet right to that shot that you've been rehabbing and it's been sore for the last four months, your brain subconsciously wants to protect it. And that could potentially, I'm not saying it will, but it could potentially open up uh, an area to be exploited by the other team. How much will it benefit BYU's opportunity to win the game if it's, we'll start with Tyson Williams since they say he's starting runs for a hundred yards on the ground. Oh, I think it's I think it increases their chances immensely. You know, I had forgotten until I went back and watched the game and prep that BYU starting running backs were Matt Hadley and Riley Burt. Um you know, Matt Hadley was kind of journeyman within the program. I played with his older brother Spencer and they're great athletes, but he he was not you know, he was not to the level of a running back that Tyson Williams is or to it quite honestly in my estimate estimation what Tyson Lopini or Asupa are so you know the guy that they trotted out uh, to start the game last year they now have three guys who are going to take snaps who are you know better than him and then obviously Riley Burke could never find his on the way could never find his way onto the field and and had to transfer uh, in in hopes to get some playing time and and so the to be able to establish a run game with what I believe is some warranted hype BYU's O-line's been getting a lot of hype as I've kind of watched them play I think in the run game that's that's definitely warranted. I think in pass protection, at least to me, watching them on film and through fall camp, they have a little bit left to prove. But I do think uh, that they do have the ability to establish a run game. And I think Tyson Williams is a back that can, well, while he may not be like a Jamal against Arizona back in 2016 where he's breaking four and five tackles on each run, I do think he'll be a guy that when given you know, even the the minimum, uh, you know, uh, definition of a lane or a hole to run through, I think he'll take advantage and is very capable. If he averages five yards a carry and accumulates, you know, 100 yards in this game, I put BYU's chances of winning very high. Riley Nelson, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You know, Zach Wilson looked good at the end of last season. He's a true freshman. So now he's had time to you know watch film build on learn off all that stuff but they protected him from this part of the schedule he didn't play the power five opponents the first uh, the first half of the season how much is this going to be a step up for him and how much with that half season under his belt and then the off season to look at film is he ready for this yeah i think zach will zach will rise to the challenge now that doesn't mean that he will come out playing mistake-free football that you would see from an underclassman who has 20 plus start or from an from an upperclassman who has 20 plus starts under his belt there still will be mistakes that were made but i think what is unique about zach uh is his his preparation that that guy is all about football you know i almost envy him in fact i was always raised the game won't last forever and make sure you you know are becoming a well-rounded person and focus on your grades <laughs> and things like that and look zach's doing fine in the classroom and all that but whenever i talk to him or i see him and and especially outside football st- uh, settings all he wants to talk is ball and that's something i kind of he is all in and so i think he's unique in his preparation i also think he's unique in his confidence and his ability to uh, shake off mistakes. And I don't mean, when I say confidence, I don't mean arrogance. I don't think he'll be out there playing reckless 
to put his team in, in danger. I just think he will show the right amount of assertiveness to take calculated chances to give his team a, a chance to win. And if he does make a mistake, I don't think it will compound itself with you know a mistake in the next drive and another mistake down the game. And he's not the type of kid that spirals down. Now, another challenge that will be for him is obviously he's gotten a lot of kudos and he did show well uh, the second half of the season. It's not like all these opposing, opposing coaches, especially Coach Scally and Coach Whittingham, are sitting back on their heels not noticing. They've all noticed and they definitely want to make their statement to all this momentum that he's built that he built up over the second half of last season, come out the gate and squash it by making life really hard on him and uh, you know, forcing a major struggle in week one. How much? It, how much does it help the simple fact that the offensive coaches, for everybody except the offensive line, are together for the second season in a row now? So there's some continuity there. I think it's a. I think it's a huge thing. Um, it, well, in most cases, I mean, you look. Uh, of course, the Deppner staff wasn't as good in, in year two as they were in year one. But a big reason for that was they lost Taysom Hill and, and Jamal Williams, who are both on NFL rosters, right? So there was a there was a significant talent drop off. This is a different. Not only do you have the continuity of coaching staff, but you also have for the for the large part con- continuity of talent and the continuity of players in the stable coming back. So I think that'll play in, in BYU's favor. And I also think that's something that's being a little bit overlooked on Utah's side. I know Ludwig's a familiar face and heck, Ludwig recruited me to Utah and he of course led him in, in that magical two thousand eight season. But the reality is the players um, who he's coaching uh, and the offense that he's installing, none of them have any exposure with. So he might, I know he's a familiar face to us fans and he's been at the program t- before, but to the players, he's brand new. So it's a brand new day one start from scratch install for those players. And I know that's kind of become status quo with Utah with, I think, eight coordinators and eight offensive coordinators in the last 10 years or something like that. Um, but that's that's not to be understated, especially in a week one rivalry matchup on the road. Now they they're hoping that the talent can overcome them, but I gotta believe that it will um, that there's some ramping up that needs to be done with Utah's offense. So from that from the continuity on BYU's side, and then the the new staff and new implementation of an offense, even though a lot of the concepts may be the same, is something is another reason why I would give uh, BYU you know a slight competitive advantage in this matchup. Riley Nelson, BYU football radio analyst, joining us. So with the Utes, what what is the biggest challenge for the Cougars? What part of the Utes you think is the is the biggest thing BYU fans should be worried about? Yeah, I think uh, a couple of aspects. Uh, as I think back to the last rivalry matchup in Cougar Stadium, and, and Huntley didn't light the world on fire like he was doing in the middle of the season last year, but he still was – he still caused fits uh, for for BYU using his his dual threat ability. I, I mean, I know that he's going to stay in the pocket and they're running a lot of play action and they're getting them under center. But all that said, if a play breaks down or the need to extend the play does arise, Tyler Huntley is very capable. In fact, probably the most capable dual threat quarterback or threat to run quarterback that BYU will face on their schedule. And so they got to keep him in check. They got to make him. Uh, you know, make decisions, complete on-rhythm throws from the pocket because whether he's picking up first downs with his legs or he's extending plays and getting chunk plays down the field, that can, that can uh, make your day pretty ugly uh, in the first place. And then on the defensive side of the ball, BYU has to um, control the pass rush. Everybody's talked about the defensive line. Uh, I think that, like I said earlier, I think the matchup, 
for BYU, I think they are do have the horses in the stable to be able to withstand uh, that defensive front. But they cannot let Utah pressure the quarterback with a four-man rush. If Utah's going to get pressure on Zach Wilson, BYU has to be good enough to force him to bring five and six and pull guys out of coverage because if Utah can apply pressure consistently with a four-man rush, dropping seven with the kind of talent they have in that defensive backfield, it's going to be a long day for BYU. So that, those are kind of my two keys on offense and defense. Uh, that if BYU can make those two things happen or prevent those two things from happening, they're uh, going to be looking real good as the game comes down to the wire. You've probably had this said to you before, but Riley, you're really good at this. <laughs> I appreciate that, PK, especially from a guy like Kevin, like you, who's been around for so long. <laughs> you, you know what you're doing, man. You were a great interview as a player, and you might even be better now as you've gotten older. I mean, you are really, you're just really good at it. Well, thanks. I think uh, you know, I, I look up to. DJ and PK have been holding it down for so long, decade longer. I can hold, only hope to, you know, contribute to the uh, football sports media. I know you guys cover all sports, but at least do my part in the college football media and enrich the game for fans. Bottom line is, I love the game. If it if it weren't for the volatile nature of of college football coaching and the stress that I see those guys, you know, forty year olds looking like. 60-year-olds, I probably want to coach. But <laughs> this media this media gig's a lot better because I get to do all the fun stuff and none of the nasty stuff that nobody wants to do. So I love the game, and I hope I can uh, be a part of it in some way for as long as I can. Well, I think you've chosen the right path here, and you've avoided uh, you know a flight out on a Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. to go recruit. So staying away from <laughs> exactly. that, that's a positive. Riley, thanks yep. for a few minutes. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, fellas. Talk to you next week. There's Riley Nelson, BYU radio analyst. He'll be in the booth tonight on the call. Hey, a reminder, don't take the bus tour at the airport parking lot. Diamond Airport Parking offers covered self-parking, covered valet parking, open valet parking, and free 24-7 car-to-curb shuttle service. Diamond Airport Parking since 1922. Just off I-80 and Redwood Road, park, ride, and save at Diamond Airport Parking. Coming up next, we're talking with Riley Jensen. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Join the big show Monday, September 2nd at Wasatch Front Kia for the massive mega tent sales event with over 1,000 new and used cars to choose from with rock bottom price and plenty of jazz swag to give away. DJ and PK, it's time now to talk a little college football with Riley Jensen, our college football insider. He comes to us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Riley, good morning. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's the countdown. We are almost to kickoff. We're almost there. And it begs the question, are we about to see a historic football season for the Utes? Or there's been too much buildup, too many people making outrageous predictions, and the, the, the goal line's been set way, way too far in front of this team. Well, 
I'm 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 interested to see how they react to this. I I, I it's just really hard for me. It, it's been really interesting to see the reaction of fans. I mean, right now I feel like BYU fans are super quiet because just the the possibility or the thought of losing nine games in a row is just like overwhelming. And then it's been interesting because if I even hint that maybe the Utes aren't going to the playoffs, I, I I've never seen Utah fans so sensitive in my entire life. Like, oh, I, that's I important, people. Riley. Huh? That's important. What's you bring that? that up. That's funny. You bring that up because we just got a passionate listener, Jeff Dart. Said text uh, tweeted us says it's too late now, but if PK and DJ could show a little less displeasure and annoyance that Utah is getting preseason hype na- nationally, that would be great. So here's a diehard fan. He's communicated with us many times. I respect his passion for sure, and he's calling us out on the very thing that you just said about them being sensitive to the hype. And certainly we don't mind the hype, although naturally I'll come clean. If, if most of the crowd is going the direction this way, I'm going to look to go that way. That's just who I am. Everybody knows that. But it's almost like they're, they're uneasy with all the hype. I, I, I totally think so. I've, it's been very, very interesting to me. I've never, I've never thought of Utah fans as a little bit sensitive. I mean, I mean last week, DJ, DJ and PK, we were on the show. All we said was pump the brakes. We didn't say, "Hey, these guys can't be good." Exactly. And I couldn't, be- I couldn't believe the reaction, <laughs> and, and I couldn't believe like the audacity to say something like that. And, and it just makes me think that, hey, look, they haven't really been here before. Um, this is this is all new territory, and it's a little bit nerve wracking for some of the fans and for some of the people. It doesn't mean I, I I'm. I think that after this first week, we're going to have a really good indicator as to where these teams are, and I'm I'm excited to see where they are. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be hard fought, and I'm just excited to see. I, I'm so just anticipating the season. It's making me think that I actually really enjoy the rivalry first week. Let's get it on, and I'm sure that I'm sure the players are thinking the same thing. I'm sure the coaches are. I know the fans are. Let's just get this game going so we can figure out where we stand and so we can make some analysis and so we can see what's going on with these teams. Because at this point, I'm tired of talking about it. I can't even imagine how, how much the players are tired of talking about it. Riley, join us here. Riley Jensen, join us, our college football insider. So if it's time to pump the brakes, the number one worry for the Utes, amidst all the good news and all that, you know, the D-line's going to be awesome and the defensive backfield ought to be awesome. Nobody's debating that. What's the one thing you're watching to check out because you're really not sure it's good enough to fulfill the highest expectations? Well, I think just even early on in the game, and I and I feel like this is an offensive coordinator too, you, you get a real feel and you get a quick observation as to whether your team's going to be moving the ball by the push that your offensive line gets or your defensive line gets. Like just right there in the trenches, right from the beginning, I'm interested. I'm actually more interested in the matchup between the University of Utah's offensive line and BYU's defensive line to see how that looks than I am. I, I mean, both the offensive line for BYU and the defensive line for Utah are getting tons of hype. I'm excited to see or anticipating what's going to happen 
on the on the other side. In other words, University of Utah's offensive line versus the defensive line for BYU to see if they're going to be able to move the ball. And you kind of get this feel as an offensive coordinator, like, okay, look, we're going to be okay today. We're going to be able to keep the whole playbook in because we're able to run this play and we're able to run this play. And we were able to run this formation and they gave us this look. So early in the game, you're going to get a feel as to whether these teams can move the ball or not. And, and I think for me, for me, the university of Utah, if, if their offensive line is good and Tyler Huntley is put in good situations, like I think he will be, um, by, by Andy Ludwig, then I think this could be a big season for the University of Utah. Because, and, and, and if they don't play well, here's, here's where I'm worried about the U. I, I think it's impossible for the University of Utah to replicate what they've done in special teams over the last three, four years. It's been an unbelievable run. It doesn't mean that they won't be good. It doesn't mean that they won't be solid. It's just they're not going to be able to use special teams as a weapon like they have over the past three or four years. So I think there's going to be just a little bit of drop-off on special teams. And I think that the offense, if they're good enough, they can make up for some of that drop-off. But they're definitely going to have to be better offensively than what they've been, and they're definitely going to have to be really good at the quarterback position. And I think playing good at the quarterback position has a lot to do with the offensive line, and it has to do with the coach putting the quarterback in good situations to throw the ball. How much of the playbook do you think both teams will have at their disposal in game one versus what they would do the rest of the season? I actually I, I actually hate that phrase when a coach is like, well, we have the full playbook in that. I, mean, I don't know a coach that's worth his salt that doesn't have a whole playbook in by the first game. But, but what I think is what they're really trying to say or what, what, what they're really trying to evolve to is that Quarterbacks, for example, they, if they're younger, like if you if you have a senior quarterback and an experienced quarterback like Tyler Huntley, there's more to your playbook that's in in the sense that if I'm playing quarterback and I'm young, I'm normally going from like read one to read two, and that's about as far as I get. The more seasoned and the more experience you get with a quarterback, you can now get to your third and fourth reads. And that's where offenses become really dangerous and you feel like you have your whole playbook in. And so to me, like that whole statement like, well, we just don't even have our whole playbook in, blah, 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 yada, 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 is, is kind of like a, a coach speak type, type thing more than it is. Like the whole playbook's in. It's the nuances of offense and hitting the third and fourth options or a quarterback being able to come up to the line of scrimmage and you've got a play call to the left, a run play call to the left, and there's like five guys on defense to the left, and there's only like three to the right, and just making that switch. That's the advancement of the offense. That's where you feel like you have the whole playbook in because you have a guy that can get you into a good play. So the only thing that I can think of where maybe the playbook gets cut in half really quick is, you know, I have a first nine plays that I call – I try and figure out uh, a lot of things based on what the defense is lining up to different formations, how they're going to react to certain things. And then when we run the ball, you can definitely feel in those first nine plays, whether you have a push or whether you're able to like hit some seams with some different run game type things. Then at that point, you can kind of feel like, okay, in this formation, this formation, and this formation is all in. And then you might take out two formations because you're like, I just don't like the look and I don't like the feel of like what's going on because 
that those plays just didn't feel right. And so you might throw out 40% of your playbook at the middle of the game. That doesn't mean you throw out your game plan. It just means that the other 60% is going to be more successful for you based on those first nine plays. So when, when people talk about having the whole playbook in, I, I, I mean, if there's really coaches out there that don't have their whole playbook in, that, that's disturbing to me. Because why wouldn't you have all your plays at your disposal? The question mark is, is are we nuanced enough to actually get to to an advanced set of plays that, that I can hit my third and fourth option on. Zach Wilson looked looked good the second half of last season in some of the games. Some of the games he struggled a little bit in, but he was definitely picking up speed at the end. But they made sure that he didn't start and play against the toughest opponents, the front end of the schedule, the Power 5 teams. How big a step up is it for him to play those teams this year, and how much can we just look at what he was doing at the end of the year and then look at this and think, ah, no problem, including the Utah game at the end of the year? Well, uh, I could tell you this. Um, as a guy who played a, a lot of what, what they called money games at the first of the season, it's tough. It's, it's tough to play against those really good teams early. You're trying to get your timing you're trying to, to make sure that you're as accurate as possible, that you that you have the nuances of that offense. But when you're playing against big teams that are loaded at the front of the year, it's it's a different ball game. And so Zach's going to have some growing pains that way. I think the one game last year that, that showed me that it didn't really matter whether it was a, a P5 team or not was the University of Utah game. And I thought I thought Zach played really, really well in the University of Utah game at certain points, and I thought – he made some big mistakes at certain points. And so I think the biggest thing about playing against P5 teams and playing against good teams is you've got to play mistake-free. And there's a real fine line, in my opinion, psychologically with a quarterback between telling him not to turn the ball over and also to have him you know, kind of have that attacking attitude that you need to be able to throw touchdowns and to be able to attack the end zone when you're in the when you're inside the red zone and trying to, to score touchdowns and so there's this there's this delicate you know push and pull that you have on the quarterback position and and that push and pull becomes even more delicate in a P5 type game because those mistakes can really cost you if you're if you're playing in a P5 game to me and and you know some people make the argument against me well he threw that pick six last year to Blackman and that they went down and scored the next drive. Well, yeah, but it did flip the momentum. Like, the offense for Utah kind of woke up. It was kind of like, okay, these guys aren't going to play perfect football all day. And so even though BYU answered, I, I really do feel like that was a momentum play. And those are the type of plays that you have to eliminate when you're playing against really good teams. And, and Utah has a really good defense perennially. This is going to be a tough test for Zach Wilson, and we'll see – how good he is and how much he's improved in this game. You know Ludwig pretty well. I remember when you were telling me when Kyle gets a head coaching job, Andy Ludwig's going to be his coordinator, and you were absolutely right. With that in mind, I'm going to use the word allow. How much do you think Ludwig will allow Tyler Huntley to run the ball? Sorry, I didn't hear that part. To to what? The ball? To, To run the ball. Ooh, that's an interesting scenario. I think, based on what I know of Ludwig, he's he's going to be much more limited in the way that he runs Huntley with the ball 
but I, but I do think that he will give him lots of opportunities to have a run pass option in the sense of a bootleg here and there or a rollout here and there. Where if 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 he doesn't like what he sees downfield, it gives him the opportunity to run the ball. Um, I don't think you'll see as many type of of read option type plays where he's reading a defensive end and he either hands it off to Moss or the defensive end crashes, and so he ends up carrying them out. I don't think you'll see that as much, but I would anticipate that you would see five to eight run-pass option type plays where he's where he's rolling out in some sort of fashion, and he can either run the ball or throw the ball because he's very, very athletic. <laughs> I do think, though, with Tyler Huntley, and we talked about this last year, and even though he got hurt on a play that was kind of in the pocket, it wasn't as big of a deal, you have to limit your quarterback's runs to to four to eight total in a game, and that includes scrambles, right? Because if you start getting up over eight plays where he's taking legitimate hits, and I, you know the the thing that I that I remember from, and I don't remember a lot because you know CTE and concussions and stuff. But when you when the thing that I remember about Division One football is. The difference between college football and high school football is like you'll have maybe two, three hits a game in high school where you're like, oof, like I felt that one. Like there was some energy that left my body. Literally every time I got hit in college, I felt like energy left my body. It felt like every single hit hurt my feelings regardless of how big or how small it looked. And so when the cumulative effect of eight, 10, 15 carries a game starts to happen to a quarterback – your body just doesn't recover the way that it should. And so now you start to accumulate five, six games of hits. And then all of a sudden it seems like a, a rather benign hit, you know, in the Arizona State game will take you out. And you're just like, wow, I did not expect that to be the play that knocked him out. But there's a cumulative effect over the, over the year of how many times a quarterback gets hit. And I think Andy knows that. And I think he'll be really smart about the way he uses him in the run game. So when it's all said and done, Riley, everybody wants a prediction out of you. What do you think? Um, I'm, I'm predicting another close game. I think it's going to be a little bit ugly. I think the Utes win ugly. Um, and there's going to be flashes for both teams where you feel really, really good about your team, uh, where you feel like, oh, my gosh, this could be a really fun season. And I think BYU is going to be much better this year than anybody anticipated. I think the Utes win a close one. I'm, I'm thinking like a 28-21 score, and that 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 it comes down to three or four plays that are really really big, and it's going to be a really fun rivalry game, and the, and the, and that's the way that I that I think it'll play out. It's hard for me to pick against the Utes right now until BYU shows me that they can overcome the psychology of wins in a row against them. I think I think I think that's a lot heavier than anyone anticipates. Um, I will say that that the one thing that I've been thinking about that that gives you hope if you're a BYU player or a BYU fan is I I really feel like Aaron Roderick understands the defense for the University of Utah. He's had years and years of calling plays against him in the spring, understanding what they try to do, and I think he's going to be able to score points on this defense just because he understands what they're going to try to do to him. And if they get hot and they start to feel a little bit of confidence early in the game, it could cause problems for the University of Utah. So I'm not totally 
convinced with my prediction of the U um, in the sense that I think I, I really feel like A Rod is 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 an X factor. I thought he called a great game against them last year, and they had a real chance to win that game. And I think it's going to be some of the same again this year. Got your Aggies beating Wake Forest. Well, I was all about it until you pulled out your two time zone thing again on me, and yeah, you get me all freaking twisted up. PK, how am I supposed to react to well, that? Well, then this I mean, have the Aggies land in Oklahoma and spend some time there, and then it'll only be one time zone. We've solved that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, I mean, I mean, there's some real. There's some real. Uh, ever since you. I, I can't remember the first time we talked about it. It might have been the first time I did Aggie Under the Bleacher with you, like 15 years ago. There's been I, every time I notice that, and so I'm I'm a little bit I'm a little bit uh, nervous about predicting the Aggies, but I'm going with the Aggies in a close one because of Jordan Love, and I think he's going to make some plays with his arms and his feet that that can beat uh, an average to below average ACC team on the road. Thanks, Riley. We appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, guys. You guys are the best. I appreciate you having me on. There's our football insider, Riley Jensen. Hey, reminder, this entire show is available. Podcasts, you can get them wherever you get podcasts. Uh, You want to go to iTunes, we're there. You want to go to Google Play, we're there. Um, Stitcher, we're there. Also, 1280thezone.com. So if you miss anything with DJ and PK, you can catch it at your convenience. Um, You know, you might want to burn through an hour or two uh, tonight while you drive down to the game. That's uh, that, that figures to be difficult because it usually is. I guess it's better that it's not a 7 o'clock game because then there'd be some overlap with a commute. Maybe now we'll get a little separation for those of you who are driving down there. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us.